The Tennis Gambling Podcast and Sports Gambling Podcast now are presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. The NFL kicks off this week and get ready for the season with 32 NFL team previews from the Sports Gambling Podcast. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash NFL previews today. And the free roll football contest is back and better than ever. $5,000 up for grabs in our NFL contest and $1,500 in our brand new college football contest. Sign up exclusively in our Discord, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Rochelle, and joining me is nobody for this podcast because it's basically 3 o'clock in the morning and Sam is sleeping. So I'm still here. I said I was going to be no matter what because we do have the U.S. Open men's final to talk about on Sunday. But, of course, before we actually get into a breakdown there, we do have to recap how Sam and I did in the last podcast for the semis, and we were phenomenal. In fact, we actually went perfect we were four for four and if you want to talk about the actual plays themselves decent amount of plus price plays including sam hitting a massive plus 550 shot to go in order we both had the same exact lock we had kakanov under 20 personal games and that ended up cashing as kakanov lost in four it was you know competitive he had a tie break in the first set ended up winning the third set seven five but he got smacked in the second set and the fourth set, and it was really never in doubt. And that paid out a minus 120. And then for my dog, I had Rude to win the match and each player to win a set at plus 145, which got there. It didn't look good after two, but Kakanov rallied to win the third, and then Rude won the fourth, so a nice winner there. But Sam had Alcaraz to win in five sets against Tiafo at plus 550, and he absolutely drilled it. So we went 4-0. Very, very good podcast. Sam at a 550. I'm sure he'll brag about it next time he's on the air. But either way, point is, it was a great show for us. We cashed, and hopefully all of you did as well. But before we get into anything else, I do want to at least recap those two matches from a non-betting perspective as we kind of transition over a little bit into the final. So starting off with the Rude and Kakanov match, uh, I called everything correctly with the lock and dog, so I kind of saw it clearly before the match even took place. Kakanov has always been a pretty good tennis player. I've never viewed him as being a threat to join the upper echelon or anything like that. And Kakanov played like it. The first set was very competitive. You had that insane 55-shot rally uh, for set point for Rude, which he ended up winning. And then Kakanov looked completely gassed in the second set, and Rude won that 6-2. I will give Kakanov props, though, because he did circle the wagons a little bit and managed to win the third set. But at the end of the day, Rude, I figured, would be a little bit too consistent. And I liked Rude's chances to return a lot of serves because of how far he stood off the court. And that's what happened. You were looking at the actual match. And when Rude was on the near side, you could barely see him in the actual picture because he was so far back. Kakanov did start to do some serve and volley a little bit in the third set, which allowed him to hold relatively easily. He just never stuck with it, and he kind of went to that approach too late. And by that point, Rude was already comfortable. And Rude was really on fire for the first two sets. Seemed like he was hitting every single shot that he needed to. He was running around the backhand. He was hitting forehands down the line. Even some occasional backhands he would hit down the line as well. 
it seemed like Rude was really clicking on all cylinders in the first two sets. Then he naturally had a little bit of a drop, and Kakanov, with a little bit of desperation, beat him in the third. But Rude really looked like the much better player, which was expected. And Rude ended up winning that one in four. And I wish I really had more to talk about, but that's really it. Kakanov served pretty well, mostly in the third set, but he hit a lot of unforced errors. Rude's movement really made it difficult for Kakanov to end points quickly. And eventually, Kakanov's strokes would self-destruct every now and then, in addition to Rude's firepower, just overwhelming Kakanov in several rallies. But nice win there for Rude as he enters his second Grand Slam final of the year after losing in Roland Garros to Nadal. But to go through the main event of the semifinals, you had Alcaraz and Tiafo went five sets, was a thrilling match, a marathon match again. Uh, the main takeaway for me, I'm not sure how Alcaraz still has energy. I was tired even watching them play for five sets. Alcaraz, it's the perks of being 19, I guess, because he's played five sets in each of the last three rounds, and it seems like nobody's really noticed because Alcaraz was clicking. He ended up dropping the first set in a tiebreak, uh, culminated in a double fault, which is like the worst way to lose a tiebreak, then dominated the second and third sets, 6-3, 6-1, then was up a break, early on in the fourth set, and he immediately got broken. Then he broke again. Then he immediately got broken. So Alcaraz had two shots there where it looked like he was about to run away with it in four. Tiafo fought back, props to him, and Tiafo eventually won the fourth set in another tiebreak, and then Alcaraz ended up winning in the fifth. It seemed like Tiafo was really battling fatigue throughout the later stages of the match, which of course makes sense. The only weird part is that Alcaraz looked completely fresh, even though he had played basically like nine hours in the previous two rounds combined. But Tiafo's first serve percentage was really the story of this match. He could not hit a first serve to save his life. He ended up uh, successfully hitting 47% of his first serves. And in the fifth set, Tiafo hit a first serve in play 33% of the time. He was 10 for 30 on first serves. And that's one of the lowest percentages I've ever seen, especially from a non-injured player. Occasionally, you see a guy who's banged up and he'll have to start serving it like underhand or something because he can't really move. But Tiafo seemed to be healthy. He was clearly exhausted. But 10 for 30 in the fifth set, first serve-wise, is an absolute catastrophe. And that was really his undoing because Alcaraz broke him several times in the fifth set, broke him in the first game of the set, broke him again at 2-2, and then got broken in the final game of the match at 3-5 and ended up losing 6-3 in the final. So Alcaraz, once again, doing Alcaraz things. Uh, It's a very entertaining final because the winner of this match becomes the new number one player in the world. I'm not sure if rankings really matter anymore, because since he didn't really count the Wimbledon points, and since Djokovic can't participate in this event, I feel like most people would still pick Djokovic or Nadal to be the best player in the world. Probably Djokovic right now, because Nadal's health is a bit compromised. But you get my point. It's cool to be a number one ranked player, but I do wonder how much it actually means, since the ranking system this year kind of got messed up with Wimbledon, etc. But either way, props to Alcaraz and Rude for making it this far. I have questions about Alcaraz's stamina or you should have questions going into the final, but I don't even know if that matters anymore because Alcaraz looked as sharp as ever in after the four-hour mark in the fifth set there against Tiafo. So I don't really know if Stamina is going to play a factor or not. It might, since Rude does keep the ball in play 
and I do think you're going to see a lot of long rallies. That's what I would do if I was Rude. I think Rude is going to go for broke occasionally in some of these rallies, but I do think that Rude will do his best to keep the ball in play. You're not going to see many 55-shot rallies, so to speak, but we know Alcaraz's defense is incredible. We know he was able to really force the outfit at extra shots and even hit some incredible defensive lobs for winners in that match. But I do think that Rude and Alcaraz are going to have a very physical matchup. We'll talk about that in a second. But before we get into anything else for the weekend, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsor. Thinking of joining WinBet? Now is the perfect time because new customers who bet $100 get a $100 free bet. If you're betting on baseball, then you have to check out WinBet for their reduced juice on baseball games, which makes them the best place to bet MLB. Plus, the WinBet casino is always open 24 hours a day where you can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Win also just released their first quarterback with five touchdowns prop bet. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. The free roll football contests are here. College football contests, $1,500 up for grabs. And the NFL contest, $5,000 and a two-night stay at Win Las Vegas up for grabs. Sign exclusively in our Discord, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. We're also brought to you by Elias. It's almost time for the start of the NFL season. And if you are very into sports betting or fantasy, you need a competitive edge to win. That's why I recommend the Elias Game Plan app. It's the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion for the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB. Elias Game Plan is the only sports app for the most trusted name in sports stats. The Elias Sports Bureau, the official statisticians of U.S. pro sports leagues, including the NFL. The app is your one-stop source for player news for expert game analysis and for player previews and the Elias game plan app is really exactly what I'm looking for when it comes down to finding information that a lot of people might not have on some unknown players but take my advice download the Elias game plan app today with new features available all the time take your game to the next level NFL season is here, so don't wait. Download the Elias Game Plan app today. And right now, I have a special offer when you subscribe. Get a 14-day free trial off a monthly subscription plan, but only if you use the promo code SGPN. Find Elias in the App Store or Play Store today and use my promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We just finished going through the semifinals matches for the men's side in the U.S. Open. Now, before we actually get into the men's final on Sunday, I do want to quickly break down or recap what happened on the women's side. You had Swiatek, who ended up winning her first ever hardcore Grand Slam event. This is her third overall. She won the French Open twice before. And in that match, she looked dominant early on. Now, It seems like her serve is still kind of vulnerable, but it's definitely good enough to some degree. But her strokes are so consistent that she can manage to overcome some difficult spots during her service games. But Swiatek hit most of her first serves. She hit 79%. I just talked about Tiafo landing 47. Uh, she hit 79. Uh, on top of that, she did only win 58% of her first serve points. But still, uh, the fact that she made so many definitely helped 
Cannot say the same about Jabor. Jabor was 15% lower on the first serve, and she ended up getting killed on her second serve because she only won 30% of her second serve points, which is really the story of the match. There was one combined ace between both players. Jabor served extremely well, arguably the best serving match of her career in the semis against Garcia, and then she could not replicate that at all. To go through the stats against Garcia, she had eight aces, uh, won 83% of her first serve points, won 55% of her second serve points, phase zero break points in the entire match, and it was just a completely different story in the final. So Iatek got into almost all of her service games, and it seemed like Jabor was really up against it from the get-go. She immediately fell down a break in the first service game. She should have probably been down 4 nothing. She fought off three break points in the fourth game of the first of the uh yeah, sorry, of the second set. Sorry. To go in order here, uh, Jabor ended up falling behind early once again, though. Uh, she got broken in her first service games. That part was still correct. Uh, she ended up fighting back. Got, uh, she broke back at 3-1, and then she immediately got broken at uh, 2-3, and then broken again at 2-5. So she lost the first set 6-2, and she only held serve one time. So that did not go well at all for her. And then in the second set, she got broken immediately to start the second, and she faced triple break point at 3 nothing, So it really looked like Swiatek could have won that match, potentially like 6-2, 6-1. It looked like it was going to get really ugly. And then Jabor broke back. She made a match out of it. Uh, she broke back twice, actually. She was down 3-1, broke to make it 3-2 back on serve, got broken again to go down 4-2. Then she broke again at 4-2 uh, to make it 4-3 back on serve. Then she actually did have triple break point at 4-4, and it looked like Jabor was potentially going to steal the set. Did not happen. Swiatek held, and then you went to a breaker, and Swiatek ended up winning the breaker. Jabor was off to a decent start in the actual tiebreak. She was up 5-3, and then after that, she didn't win a point, and Swiatek won the final. Uh, oh, sorry, it was actually 5-4. My apologies. It was 5-4 in the breaker for Jabor, and then she didn't win a point again. Swiatek won the final three, and Swiatek won the match. So Jabor has had a successful but also disappointing year in her standards because she has become a top five player in the world. She's consistently competing for titles. The problem is in Grand Slam, she's fallen short in the final on several occasions. Jabor ended up losing in Wimbledon to Rybakina in three there and then lost to Swiatek in the U.S. Open. So as a whole, she's had a pretty good year. But if you saw the actual photos of her in the locker room, she was crying her eyes out. Her coaching staff was trying to console her, but it's rough. You know, it's part of the sport where you play, obviously, to win the game. Shout out to Herm Edwards. But still, the point is when you set the bar so high for yourself and you have expectations to win Grand Slam events and you make deep runs but lose, I'm sure she'll get over the hump at some point because she's going to make it to a couple more Grand Slam finals. She's just too talented. But you do have to wonder at some point when it's going to become mental. And we might see something similar on the men's side on Sunday because Rude made the final in the French Open, got smacked, and I believe he lost the last 11 games to Nadal in the French Open. Then Nadal was seen on crutches after the match, and you kind of were wondering how Rude got blown out that badly. But Rude has a chance to avenge that, or he could potentially have a similar situation to Jabor, where you climb up to the mountaintop, and then right when you're about to plant the flag, you slip and you fall down. So we'll see what happens. But either way, Jabor gave it a good run. She was performing very well in the tournament. Swiatek, though, number one player in the world. She's going to be number one for a long time uh, since Barty retired. 
And with Barty being out of the equation, it seems like she's kind of running unopposed. Now, grass is still a little bit weak for her, so I'm not sure if she'll complete the Grand Slam anytime soon. But Swiatek is clearly head and shoulders above everybody else on the women's tour. And it seems like she's going to have a long and successful career, uh, knock on wood, without any injuries. But she's only 21. She's won three Grand Slams. She's number one in the world. And we've seen the women's tour be a little bit unpredictable or extremely unpredictable ever since Serena won her last actual Grand Slam event. And now that Swiatek's kind of taken over the tour, uh, you know, taking a bull by the horns, I do think that Swiatek might really just dominate for the next X amount of years and everyone's going to be fighting for second place. So props to Swiatek getting it done. First hard court Grand Slam win. Jabor, tough break, but I'm sure she'll be back at some point. I'm sure eventually she'll win a Grand Slam. But either way, time to pivot back to the men's side. Looking at the very, very entertaining and com- what should be competitive men's final between Rude and Alcaraz. Now, Alcaraz is a pretty big favorite. No surprise there based on either public perception or just based on the fact that Alcaraz just beat him in Miami for the final of a hardcore tournament earlier this season. But either way, to go through the odds there, Alcaraz minus 135. Rude is roughly plus 190. And to go through the actual game spreads here, Alcaraz is... Going to be favored by roughly three and a half or so. Uh, pulling that up, Alcaraz minus three and a half is minus 135. Alcaraz four and a half is minus 105. And Alcaraz minus five and a half is plus 145. The total in this match is high. It's 40 and a half, minus 115 towards the over, minus 105 on the under. And 41 and a half is even money on the over. And the under 41 and a half is minus 120. So to go through... The actual tournaments for these guys so far. I know I just did this for the semis, but I'll give everyone a refresher. So Rude has had a much easier go of it based on actual schedule since Alcaraz has has had to go five sets in each of the last three rounds. But to go through Rude, I'll start off there. Rude ended up winning in uh, straight sets against Edmund in the first round, went four against Van Rithoven, won there, then beat Tommy Paul in a marathon. Won the fifth set 6-0 there, but that was a long match. Beat Mutet in four, beat Berrettini in three, and beat Kakanov in four. And the Kakanov match, if you want to go based on time on court, was only three hours flat. So he should have a significant rest advantage in this matchup. But Rude only dropped one set in the final two rounds, which is nice. Meanwhile, Alcaraz was the opposite. He had a very easy go of it in the first couple rounds, then a couple marathons and nothing in between. He went basically two and a third sets against Baez because Baez withdrew because of injury. And then he beat Coria in the second round in straight sets, beat Brooksby six threes across in straight sets, then beat Chilich in five, beat Sinner in five, and beat Tiafo in five. Once again, stamina should play a factor, but it has not. And Tiafo looked more gassed than Alcaraz was, and Alcaraz was on the court for like 12 hours. So... Yeah, uh, it's a very interesting uh, match to go through the actual head-to-head up to this point. Alcaraz is 2-0. They played in 2021 uh, twice, and the first time was on clay, and Alcaraz ended up winning that one in straight sets. Then they ended up playing again in Miami. I should take it back. That was in 2021, and the Miami match was in 2022, and Alcaraz won that one in straight sets, 7-5-6-4. So I do think it's reasonable for Alcaraz to be favored by decent margin in this match because he did beat Rude for a title on hard court earlier this season. The fatigue the angle, though, does make it interesting. 
I do not think that Alcaraz should be minus 235. I think that does sound a little bit high. I think he should be closer if I was pricing it. Minus 180. I think minus 180 plus 150, something like that, does seem like more of a reasonable number. So I guess technically, the value is on Rude. However, I do think that Alcaraz, if fatigue is going to not play much of a factor, I think Alcaraz wins pretty handily. Now, once again, I do think it's going to play a factor. So, you know, take everything what I said with a grain of salt. But I do think that Alcaraz, assuming even rest, is the far better player. So that's why he should be favored. But Rude looked really good. And I think the one thing that really impressed me in the last couple of rounds has been the serve for Rude. Rude has never really been known for being a great server. He was never really known for being atrocious. But if you want to go through his serve numbers, I'll start off with Berrettini. And his serve was very, very solid. He ended up winning 75% of his first serve points, won 50% of his second serve points, did have zero aces, and he hit 65% of his first serves, which are which is a decent percentage. But the fact that he ended up uh, winning 75% of his first serve points is definitely solid. And his serve was even better against Kakanov because Kakanov could barely generate any break points at all for pretty much the entire match. And to go through those serve numbers, rude uh, was solid. 16 aces, uh, sorry, 10 aces, uh, 10 aces, one double fault. He ended up winning 82% of his first serve points, 59% of his second serve points. He only faced off against five break points. So he looked very sharp when it came to serving, and Kakanov had a hard time really getting into any service games throughout the match. Now, Rude should have a much tougher time holding because Alcaraz is one of the better returners on tour. It seems like Alcaraz has a very rare issue uh, compared to most players on tour where he gets a ton of breakpoint chances, but his conversion percentage isn't exactly great. Most players don't even get that far. You see them potentially struggle to even get to 30 in, in a return game. It seems like Alcaraz is constantly getting to deuce or getting some break points, and yet it seems like he ends up always going like 5 for 19. But I do think Alcaraz will get involved in Rude's service games frequently, and there's going to be a lot of pressure moments for Rude throughout the course of this match. Now, on the other side of the coin, Alcaraz's serve has been pretty good. However, he has had some double fault issues, and his first serve percentage has been good in big moments, but it has been inconsistent. So I do think Rude should also get into Alcaraz's service games a decent amount. To go through his numbers against Tiafo. he hit 71% of his first serves, which is solid. Uh, won 75% of his first serve points, won 59% of his second serve points. Now, Tiafo did end up having seven breakpoint chances, so he was involved in Alcaraz's service games a decent amount. But Alcaraz, if you're comparing serves, I think Alcaraz is better than uh, Rude. So I do think he should have a better time or an easier time holding. Plus, we know that Alcaraz is not afraid to serve in volley. And with Rude standing that far off the court, I do think you'll end up seeing uh, Alcaraz charge the net more. We saw it against Tiafo a little bit. And I do think that will create some problems for Rude in the return games. But when it comes down to it, I think you're going to see a very competitive match. Based on picking the winner, I'm going to go with Alcaraz. It seems like Alcaraz is really on just a tournament run of destiny. And I think that he is the more talented player. I think the servant volley is going to be a big piece to this match once Alcaraz decides to actually go for it. And I do expect Alcaraz to be involved in a lot of rude service games. He'll apply a lot of pressure. And I do think eventually Rude is going to crack and get broken a couple of times. But am I predicting an easy win for Alcaraz? No. I think it'll go four or five sets. But I do think eventually, when all is said and done, Alcaraz will be the one lifting the trophy. But other than that, though, 
We're going to take another quick break before we get into the lock and dog segment. We're also brought to you by Fubo TV. If you watch football, you need Fubo TV. Fubo TV gives you complete coverage of college and pro football with NFL Red Zone Plus games in 4K at no extra charge. Over 100 channels of live sports and entertainment for a fraction of the price of cable. Watch on all your devices and never miss a game or an episode of your favorite show with the included cloud-based DVR. Plus, there's no contract, no commitment, and you can cancel at any time. Right now, you can try Fubo TV for free for seven days and get 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com slash SGP. That's F-U-B-O-T-V.com slash SGP. For all you sports bettors out there, I want to tell you about the best new way to increase your bankroll. It's called PromoGuy.us. At PromoGuy.us, you can get the biggest bonuses from all the best sports books in the country. We're talking $1,000 risk-free deposits, insane odds boosts, and most importantly, the best analytics in the business, plus tons of free picks as well. PromoGuy.us is your guide to betting smart. Once again, that's PromoGuy.us. US. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. And they also just passed 4 million users. And now you could win money on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money that you put in. And with the NFL season right around the corner, Sleeper is the first sports contest game built into the fantasy experience. The main reason why I'm excited about the over-under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I could join my buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I could see and copy my friends' picks with just the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group at uh, on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash SGP, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash SGP and you'll get $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. We're also brought to you by Run Your Pool. Run Your Pool is the home of competition, bringing sports fans and their social circles together to compete, connect, and make every game more important. Run Your Pool offers every game type under the sun from Pick'em and Survivor to Fantasy Pools. It's a one-stop shop for sports gaming with customizable features that you don't get anywhere else. We've teamed up with Run Your Pool to host a pool for our official SGPN NFL Survivor Contest. Hop in now to reserve your spot, $500 cash, plus a $250 gift certificate to the SGPN store to the winner. Sign up today over at play.runyourpool.com slash SGPN. That's play.runyourpool.com slash SGPN. We're also brought to you by Odds Trader. On this podcast, I've mentioned time and time again the importance of shopping your lines. And while it might be annoying, 
to pull up several books to find the best one available for you. It takes a lot of effort. And luckily for us, Odds Trader does the work for you because Odds Trader is the perfect place to compare odds from all the major sports books in one central location. You can also compare the different signup codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal when you initially sign up. The app provides you with player statistics, key game stats, injury reports, and projected game day weather for bettors to make the most informed bets possible. It also has a bet tracker feature so bettors can keep records of all their games and betting activity. Go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all of your game day bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We just finished breaking down and previewing the U.S. Open Men's Final. Now it's time to talk about the actual bets for the final match. And starting off with the lock, I'm going to go with Alcaraz, minus three and a half games at minus 135. I think both players will have moments in this match, but I think Alcaraz is just a much better player looking at the skill set. And the moment has clearly not been too big for him at any point. I think Ruda is going to have success maybe early on. Maybe Alcaraz starts off slow, some first Grand Slam final jitters, but I think he'll get out of it, and I think he'll eventually just wear down Rude. We saw them play in hard court earlier this year, and Alcaraz looked comfortable. One seven five six four did a great job with his first serve, ended up winning 75% of his first serve points in that match. Rude only won 60. So I do think Alcaraz is going to generate a lot of problems for Rude in Rude service games. And Rude might generate some problems here and there, but I do think Alcaraz eventually will change tactics and try to exploit Rude's position or return position on the court. Because since he stands so far back, we've seen a lot of players kind of embrace more of a serve and volley approach, mostly against Medvedev. We saw Kyrgios do it. We saw Tsitsipas do it. I think it's a great spot for Alcaraz to do it. When it comes down to Alcaraz's skill set, people always talk about the movement and the shot making and just the insane just overall variety of his game. But I don't think enough people talk about how good he is at the net. He's an incredible volleyer, and I think that's going to be a serious problem for Rude to deal with because Alcaraz might start serving volleying, and you're going to see Rude having to hit crazy passing shots from 10 feet behind the baseline, and I think that's going to be a serious problem for him as this match progresses. Alcaraz might not use it early on. I think he might change up tactics and start using it, but whenever he does, I think Rude's going to have a hard time getting into service games, and I think Alcaraz will start holding more regularly. I don't think Rude has really any luxuries like that. Alcaraz stands somewhat far back on the court, but it's not crazy. And we know Alcaraz is probably the fastest player on the tour. So I think he can catch up to some of those drop shots if Rude tries to deploy a similar tactic. But Rude is also not afraid to run around the backhand for the forehand. And it worked against Kakanov. The problem is Alcaraz is so good at court coverage, he might leave himself open to a couple of of cross-court shots. Uh, by Alcaraz that could really put Rude into a lot of, I'd say, challenging spots in various rallies. But I think Alcaraz eventually finds a way to wear down Rude. On top of that, we saw Rude kind of fold in the French Open final. Nadal was seen post-match with crutches. He claimed he couldn't feel one of his legs. Now, I think that was an exaggeration, but still, either way, the point is Nadal was clearly compromised health-wise. And yet Rude, as soon as he went down by a decent margin lost the final 11 games of the Grand Slam final. I understand losing to Nadal on clay. He's the best clay court player of all time. But mentally, Rude absolutely checked out roughly midway through the second set of that match. And I do think might not have been 11 games. It might have been like six. You get the idea. The point is Nadal absolutely smacked them once things got tough for Rude. 
And I think that you might see a similar story here where if Rude ends up struggling or having some moments that don't go his way, you might see his level drop significantly or his focus drop significantly. And Alcaraz will press it because he's going to sense blood in the water. So I'll go with Alcaraz to win by margin. Plus, I do think Alcaraz is one of the most underrated uh, players when it comes to benefiting from the new coaching rules. And Juan Carlos Ferrero has done a phenomenal job with Alcaraz. And it seems like uh, he's really given Alcaraz some good advice during matches. Sometimes he doesn't tell him anything. He kind of just shrugs it off and tells Alcaraz to figure it out. And I kind of like the balance there. But it seems like the box has really done a great job of trying to maximize all of Alcaraz's potential. And that's why he's been able to channel all of it into this deep run. And you're looking at Rude's coaching staff, and it was the case in the in the Kakanov match. They really don't say anything for basically the entire match. It seemed like Rude was kind of problem-solving on his own, which is fine. You know, that was how tennis worked for X amount of years before the recent rule change. But the fact that Alcaraz does have a coach that's consistently giving him feedback and advice, and Rude really doesn't, because Rude tries to do it himself, I think that's another underrated edge for Alcaraz, where if things go poorly, he might change up tactics, or maybe Ferrer recommends something, and that might be the turning point in the match. So I'm going to go with Alcaraz, minus three and a half games as my lock. And for my dog, I'm going to go with the play that we had last time out. Don't fix what isn't broken. I'm going to take Alcaraz to win and both players to win a set. So I know I did this with Rude uh, last time out, but you get the idea. The point is the same type of bet. I'm going to take Alcaraz, in other words, in four or five sets. I'm not picking Alcaraz to sweep. I think Rude's too talented for that. Having said that, I do think Alcaraz will eventually just overwhelm Rude over the course of five sets. And assuming that Alcaraz's gas tank doesn't fully reach empty, I think he's going to win the match. And Rude is a very good player. Don't get me wrong. He's done a great job on hard court in this event. But if you're looking at the actual uh, level of competition that Root has faced, he's had the much easier path. And I feel like that's worth talking about because Alcaraz beat Baez. Okay. Beat Coria. Brooksby beat Chorich, but Brooksby is American. You know, decent win there. Beat Chilich, former champion, who isn't the same player he used to be, but still solid. Beat Sinner, who's going to be a top five player in the world. We know Sinner's a very talented guy. And he beat Tiafo. Tiafo, another American home crowd, has, was having a solid tournament, but still a pretty solid overall level of competition. It's not, you know, a gauntlet gauntlet, but it's still pretty difficult. You're looking at Rude, and Rude has really not faced many elite guys. Now, he dominated against Berrettini. Berrettini was struggling on hardcore leading up to the event, so I'm kind of curious how uh, much you can actually read into that being a name brand win or an actual high-quality win, because Berrettini was solid in the tournament, but he definitely wasn't his usual top-five player on hardcore upside self. But to go through his actual matches here, uh, it's been, well, I'll just say easy. Let's put it that way. And he did beat an American in five. He did beat Tommy Paul, which is a good win. But to go through the wins here, he beat Edmund, who's been battling injuries for years and has kind of been rehabbing back. Beat Van Rithoven, who made the miracle run there in that one grass tournament on a, in his home country. Uh, Want to set off Djokovic on grass, but on hard court, uh, fought off, was it nine match points, 11 match points in the first set? Not exactly a great hard court player. Beat uh, Tommy Paul, good win. I'll give him that. Beat uh, Mutet. Mutet was also kind of a Cinderella run there. He's a decent player at best. 
beat Berrettini, good win, and then beat a Cinderella there in Kakanov instead of having to face off against Kyrgios or Medvedev. So even though Rude is in the final, I do wonder how much of that's based on him being an elite hardcore player and how much of that's based on him just having a pretty easy path or relatively easy path. Alcaraz had a mixed bag of both, but he's passed every test. Sinner is a great player. Chilich is a very good hardcore player. Brooksby is a pretty good hardcore player, has the home crowd behind him. But I do think that Alcaraz has shown that he's a more talented player than Rude. And I do think that he might start off slow, but he'll eventually win the match. I'll take Alcaraz in four or five at plus 145. But besides that, though, that's going to wrap it up for our U.S. Open coverage. We'll probably recap, or we're going to recap the final, realistically, for the next episode. But until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.